guys, welcome to Status Random with Sean. This is episode 65, and today I'm talking about the medical system and misdiagnosis a year in the United States. So this is only pertaining to the United States. So I'm going to touch base on a couple of different things, one being misdiagnosis, another one being crazy prices in the States for medical, and the other one is malpractice. So while I was researching for this podcast today, um, the number of people that are misdiagnosed a year in the United States is crazy amount of people. 12 million people are um, misdiagnosed by medical errors each year. An estimated 40,000 to 80,000 people die annually from complications from these misdiagnoses. That's crazy to me. That's a high number. And the most common misdiagnosis treatment um, illnesses are lupus, which can mimic chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, and rheumatoid arthritis, Parkinson's, which also mimics Alzheimer's, stroke, stress, traumatic head injury, and essential tremor, fibromyalgia, which also mimics rheumatoid arthritis, chronic fatigue syndrome, Lyme disease, which also mimics um, uh, mono, flu, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, depression, and meningitis, MS, which also mimics a viral infection, lupus, Alzheimer's, and bipolar disorder. Celiac disease, which also mimics irritable bowel syndrome, so IBS, Crohn's disease, or cystic fibrosis. And chronic fatigue syndrome, which also mimics sinus problems, hepatitis, fibromyalgia, lupus, and rheumatoid arthritis. That, to me, is crazy, but the other big one that is misdiagnosed is actually cancer. Cancer misdiagnosis is the most common misdiagnosed disease of all. Different types of cancers are misdiagnosed as well, which is why it's important to have a complete medical history of the patient, adequate time to evaluate the patient, a complete information of symptoms and medications. How many times have we gone to the doctors and you're allotted like a 15 minute slot and you feel rushed? Like you come in with a list and you just feel like they're not listening to you. They just throw pills at you. I can say that being with military doctors, that happens about nine times out of 10. And half the time they're running late. So you're there 15 minutes early and then you get into half your appointment and they're trying to catch up. So therefore you only have like five or 10 minutes face to face with the doctor. So I get it. I get why things are misdiagnosed. I also think sometimes doctors can be overwhelmed and uh, they think, okay, well, the realistic numbers of you having cancer are slim, so I'm not going to investigate more. I think it's IBS instead of colon cancer or stomach cancer or something like that. So that is fearful for people like myself that suffer from health anxiety. That is scary. Because these numbers show why our anxiety is so high because it's, you know, we're told to trust our doctors, but you almost wonder if sometimes they're having a bad day or they're missing something and that's what gets our anxiety driven even more. I think the other thing is, it's like a lot of doctors that aren't functional doctors that believe in the body as a whole you know, I've said this before that they treat only the symptoms and they don't piece together things. So, uh, for me being, um, iron deficient, I, the functional doctor, first thing he noticed was my MCHC was low. Well, other doctors are like, oh, that's fine. My calcium was low. Oh, that's fine. You're fine. You're breathing. You're walking. You're fine. But they didn't piece it together because then my hemoglobin made me normal, but they never, 
you know, for, for ferritin and stuff, the range is such a huge range. It's like from five on some of them to 350. So how can you have such a huge range and not piece things together? Same with my mom and, and, and her uh, rare skin cancer and rare thyroid cancer. I feel like she probably had it for a little while and they just uh, blew it off, you know, but luckily she had a good dermatologist when it came to her skin cancer that was like, hey, just to be safe, let's go ahead and send this in. And boom, what do you know? She gets a phone call back and it's bad. Same thing with her thyroid. Um, I also have nodules on my thyroid, so I get them checked, but something tells me I should get them, you know, aspirated to actually see because I I personally feel like um, ultrasounds don't always show the full example, you know, of things. I can go on and on about things that go on with me, with um, ovarian cysts, and, and so forth. Uh, doctors tend to want to make sure that they give it time to see if it goes away before they do anything else. Or you see a bunch of different doctors, military doctors, and they don't piece it together. The other thing is that when you have military doctors, they're only at a location for so many years. So you get a good doctor, right? And you they know all about your medical history. You've gone through everything. You've done everything you need to do. And then boom, they have to leave. And here comes a new one and you have to start all over. So you never get this sense of, we are working to find out what's wrong. No, because it's like the Groundhog Day. You have to start all over. It's the same thing each time, right? So it's frustrating for us. And it's also frustrating for people that aren't military as well because sometimes I think doctors, they get, you know, and this isn't all doctors, and I'm not a medical doctor. I'm just a podcaster. I'm just a normal citizen that has dealt with these things as well. I feel like a lot of doctors push people to the side, and I think a lot of lives could be saved. And that's why I'm huge onto functional medicine and kinesiology because I firmly believe that has saved my life because I was in a real low point and nobody was listening to me and nobody was hearing what I was saying. Just because I'm breathing and walking does not mean there's something that's not right. So I always say be your own advocate and that that's why these numbers show be your own advocate. If you feel like something isn't right, then something isn't right. And I had a friend who went to the doctor numerous times and said something isn't right. I have a lump on my breast. And they said, oh, it's nothing. Turns out she had stage four breast cancer. And she she passed away. So, I mean, those things right there scare you, you know. I have a mom who had breast cancer. I have a mom who had rare skin cancer. I had a mom who has a, a rare uh, thyroid cancer. So, and she had a TIA. And, and they can't see the TIA. So, they couldn't figure out why she had a TIA. So these are things that um, definitely make my anxiety heighten, but I believe that if you stay on top of it and you are your own advocate and you keep every document you have, you will find a good doctor. You will. And functional medicine, I wish it was um, approved by insurance because I can't believe it's not approved by insurance. These people really know their numbers. You know, when it comes to lab work, they don't just look at what's within range. It's optimal value is what you want for what's good for one person who's surviving may not be good for another person, right? So the other topic I wanted to talk about was the crazy, crazy prices of like hospitals. Um, one guy said, when my wife and I had our youngest three years ago, a teaspoon of Vaseline costs $80. You can buy a gallon tub for $5 in the store. 
Another person said they were charged $39.95 for a cuddle skin-to-skin time with their baby. A single Tylenol pill costs $15, which can add up to $345 for an average patient's stay. A bottle costs like $6, so $345 for a whole stay. A box of tissues can cost $8, sometimes listed as a mucus recovery system. Non-sterile gloves, one pair, $53 or $5,141 for an average patient stay. Having a nurse hand your pills to you so you can take them by mouth is $6.25 each time or $87.50 on an average patient stay. Another one says a guy took his daughter to the emergency room because she had sliced her finger and at the hospital, the doctor ran her finger underwater and put a bandage on it. The cost was $629. The insurance company negotiated the price down to $440.30. A nurse at an emergency room said that uh, very often I see emergency room fees for $15,000 to $50,000. This happens well too often with less than an hour of service. I have seen bandages needed with charges of $10,000 to $15,000 in an emergency room. It says the same nurse said that she's seen one patient being billed $8,000 for a head CT that normally costs $212 to $400. It says on average, there are 75 to 80% of bills with errors. You always need to check whether there is duplicate claims. Now that happened to me. I, my, our insurance paid a bill once when I had my daughter. It was almost $10,000 for my C-section and the insurance paid it. And then they sent me a bill for $10,000. And when I called insurance, they were like, whoa, we paid this. They're trying to double bill you. This is absurd. And can you imagine the bills right now with COVID patients? Holy crap. That's got to be an enormous amount of how much money they're making. And I have a lot of nurse friends and I can tell you they do not make this huge amount of money that they're, they're billing. And I'm sure doctors do. But what is actually the difference between the United States charging this much and overseas? Now, I'll tell you what. In the UK, because they pay a certain taxes, their medical is is into it. So you don't, unless you get private medical, I believe. And same within Germany when I lived there. The minute they found I had private insurance, they took me into this beautiful room with this nun and I had a waterfall and it was beautiful. So sometimes I think that our insurance having in the States is good thing and sometimes I think it's a bad thing but here's the bad thing about not if you don't have the insurance like if you live over in Europe so if you live over in Europe um, you can be put on a wait list so like detrimental surgeries that you need like an aneurysm and this and that you get put on a wait list in America if you need that done you're pretty much done pretty fast because you have private insurance and they know that they get them you know get the money there's not like a huge wait list it's according to the dire need first, right? Here's the one that will give you a little kick. It says um, a family who has been charged $18,000 for a nap and a bottle of baby formula after taking their eight-month-old son to the emergency room when he was hit in the head. The woman who was charged nearly $6,000 for an ice pack and bandage when she ended up in the ER. That is crazy. Past due medical bills are a reason 59% of Americans are contacted by a debt collector and 16% of Americans' credit reports include medical debt. No wonder. This is an absurd amount. Absurd amount. The system is broken and all 
all different ways. All right, let's talk about malpractice. All right, so there's a lot of mal malpractice uh, cases out there. According to Johns Hopkins Hospital, malpractice ranks as the third leading cause of death behind heart and heart disease and cancer. Medical malpractice causes more than 250,000 every year. Um, according to 2016 study by the National Center of State Courts, medical malpractice is a small fraction of personal injury litigation, accounting for less than 5% of all cases in the United States. But according to in 2017, the average malpractice payment has increased by nearly 25% near, since nearly the 90s. One in 14 claims are awarded more than a million dollars. Neurosurgeons and OBGYNs face a higher risk of malpractice lawsuits than other medical specialists. This is likely due to severity of their treatments where a negative outcome can be catastrophic consequences. Okay, so the type of medical malpractice that happens the most is retained foreign objects. So stuff being left in people like needles and scalpels and and electrical equipment. <laughs> what? Surgery on incorrect body parts. I thought that should only happen in movies, but birth injury, stroke, medication errors, which I believe is a huge thing, anesthesia errors, misdiagnosis, or failure to diagnose. Okay, so I'm going to read a couple of like the biggest um, misdiagnosis or malpractice suits that are to record right now. $216.7 million from a guy who went to the emergency room after having like symptoms of a stroke. Um, and despite telling his nurses his family had a history of strokes, the, di the doctors diagnosed him with a sinusitis and gave him painkillers. The next day, he had to go under surgery to relieve the swelling in his brain, and he spent nearly three months in a coma. And he has limited cognitive abilities, and his he is at risk of suffocating every time he swallows food due to damage. Okay, so this one is $190 million. Medical malpractice suit from or by Johns Hopkins Hospital. So there was a doctor named Dr. Nikita Levy, and uh, there was 8,000 plaintiffs. Uh, a gynecologist who was employed there for over 25 years revealed that he had secretly taken pictures and videos of his patients over the years using a pen-like camera he wore during examinations. Yeah, he was fired in 2013, and when the police investigated, they found more than 1,200 videos and 140 images of patients in his home. He committed suicide just days later. Good Lord. Um, $172 million against New York City. A lady had an anaphylactic um, reaction, and the ambulance showed up and did not have life-saving things to help her. So she as uh, severe brain damage and paralysis, including inability to walk, talk, and take care of herself now. $135 million for a malpractice claim against the Detroit Medical Center um, after a 10-year-old uh, was awarded $135 million in damages after she was partially paralyzed after an operation. She went in for um, like scoliosis surgery, and but the rods and screws were inserted by a surgeon in such a way that her spinal cord became compressed. That's ridiculous. Michael Jackson had a had the uh, medical malpractice case. Who else is famous that had that? Joan Rivers. I know she died under anesthesia. Oh, oh, Kanye West's mom. So she died just one day after she underwent plastic surgery. Let's see, Dana Carvey. 
Dana Carvey underwent a double bypass operation to preserve his life. Two months later, he received word from his surgeon that they had mistakenly bypassed the incorrect oh. artery. That's crazy. Oh, I didn't know about this one. Julie Andrews. So she um, had nodules on her vocal cords that were giving her discomfort when singing. The operation was botched, leaving Andrews with hoarseness and permanent vocal cord damage, which means she's unable to sing on a professional level. Uh, Andy Warhol, uh, he oh, he had an operation to remove gallstones and repair a ventral hernia. Two days after operation, he died seemingly of a heart attack, but the estate of Warhol alleges that the death was due to negligence on the part of physicians and nurses attending to him following surgery. So it wasn't actually the surgery that killed him, the nurses. And Ed McMahon fractured his neck while suffering a fall when he visited Cedar Cyanide Medical Center. The, ne the next morning, the doctors failed to diagnose his fracture, discharging him without taking an x-ray. Oh, no. He underwent two spinal surgeries to repair the damage. Oh, no. Bill Paxton underwent heart surgery to repair an aortic aneurysm, replacing an aortic valve. In the process, 11 days after operation, he suffered a stroke and died. How did I not know he died? Oh, man. Elvis Presley. Um, let's see. Suddenly, he died suddenly at the age of 42, citing heart disease was the cause. However, it was later found that traces of 14 prescription stimulants and depressants were in Presley's system at the time, which may have contributed to his death. As a result, much of the heat ended up on Presley's personal physician. Yeah, see, they just, oof. Dennis Quaid, uh, let's see, when they were two weeks old, their twins developed staph infections and were taken to Cedar sinai where they were given required treatment with, oh, a blood thinning medication. The wrong dosage, unfortunately, gave the twins a dosage, doses meant for adults, not infants. Oh my gosh, more than 100 times the dosage. They were each given two doses eight hours apart. As a result, the babies were left vulnerable and ex to extreme bleeding. Oh no, they were in critical condition. Spent 11 days in the NICU, fortunately making a full recovery. That's good. Geraldo Rivera. Let's see. Special surgery for operation on his back. Claims the surgery was botched, leading to crippled right foot. John Ritter. Ugh, when he suffered an aortic dissection, a tear from the inner layer of the aorta, doctors initially misdiagnosed the dissection as a heart attack and therefore did not undergo the proper procedures for his dissection. Oh, he was such a good actor. Oh, man, there's it goes on and on and on. So when is it? Um, I know that people, accidents happen, but goodness gracious, that's a lot. Those are just the the top malpractice cases that are known for like high levels of of money. There it happens every day, right? There wasn't there one about the Morena or something too. And then guess what? So there was a huge one about the Morena, and then my doctor's like, "Oh, you should get the Morena." Like, "Hell, I should, girl." So my urologist here put me on a thing called I think it's Elmerin. And apparently it causes you blindness, and there's a huge thing about it, a black box warning and everything. And I guess it's a good thing that I like to do my research, so I never took it. And he was shocked when I came to him at it. He didn't even know about it. It had been years of research. There are such pushers here for anxiety medicine. It's just too much. And that's the other thing is like a lot of people that actually have real issues 
they're chalking up. If you ever say the word anxiety, this is from, from my experience. If you ever throw the word anxiety, they will make sure that everything falls under that. It's your anxiety. Here, take this. It's your anxiety. So never once have I ever mentioned anxiety to the, my doctors because it's secondary to what the real issue is. I know this was a long podcast today and it's something that I've been wanting to do for a while, but I needed to make sure that I, you know, did the appropriate work and, and research and so forth. But I, on that note, I want to end on something. Everybody who I'm sure a lot of people know Dr. Mike, right? Dr. Mike from, from Facebook. He, um, he said thought of the day. Every comedian is entitled to a bad joke now and again. Fact is the letters next to a doctor's name D-O-M-D, both mean doctor and neither determine the level or ability to care for their patients. By the way, cola in heavy moderation. If you know, you know. On that note, thanks for listening to Status Random. Until next time. Bye.